I love to walk. As Sarah can tell you, my wife Sarah can tell you, when we visit a city, not just because I'm cheap and I don't like to pay for taxis and uh, public transportation, I love to walk. I love to explore, I love to search, I love to walk and walk and walk. And as you can imagine, there's been many times when Sarah has had to say, we need to stop. The boys, when they were younger, the boys and I need to stop and sit for a second. Of course, as the boys got older, you know, passed into their te late teen years, uh, things got changed a little bit. I remember this one time we went to the Grand Canyon and my older brother and I and the boys hiked down the Grand Canyon. We got to the bottom and we looked around for what seemed like about three minutes and the boys were, okay, let's go back up again. And uh, me wanting to show them the brave fatherly side, I said, okay, let's go back up. Halfway up, my brother and I were slowing down a little bit. Three quarters of the way up, my older brother and I were dragging a lot. I kept saying to those boys, look at your uncle, we need to slow down for him. Of course, mostly meaning, can we sit and stop for a while for me? Uh, Sarah especially loved to hear that story uh, when we got to the top. Uh, it all comes around again, doesn't it? It is true, though, we all have our limits. Like, for instance, our limits relative to snow, our limits to shoveling and to trudging through that snow. The people of Isaiah, the people Isaiah is, were talking to, were at their limits. You know, when we hear that passage from Isaiah 40, the 28th through 31st verse, the people Isaiah is speaking to, are speaking to, they are at their limits. He was writing at the beginning of the 7th century BC, and the people of Israel were in exile in various parts of the Assyrian Empire. Their lands had been captured, they had been kicked out of those lands, and they were tired of it. They also had to wonder, at those points we all often wonder, where is God in all this? Now you can tell Isaiah was worrying about whether his people were starting to forget their own story of God's attentiveness, of God's dependability, of God's love for God's people. So Isaiah asks those words, have you not known? Have you not heard? Do you know who you are as God's people? It's true that often people have a sort of theological identity crisis. You know, when things are good, we forget God, and when things are bad, we blame God. When we are feeling our most vulnerable, when an event or a situation is controlling our life, when it's ruling our life, we, like those Israelites, also find ourselves confused. We find ourselves confusing whatever is holding us captive in that moment. As sovereign, 
as the thing that is in charge of our life. Not only in that moment, but in all of our lives. Have you ever let what controls you in a moment own you? I'm sure that there has been times in all of our lives when our present situation is all we can tend to remember. And it's hard in our world today. You know, we talked in a face-sharing class this morning when, you know, there's war and violence and terror and hatred. It's hard not to feel that. We have to remind, be reminded of that which holds onto us through it all. The Lord is everlasting. Our creator, not just in a moment long ago, but that creating spirit alive within us all through our life. When we're at our most tired, when we're at our most weary, when we are at our most down, Isaiah asks his people and asks us to remember our roots as a people of God and how God continues to work in our lives today and every day. It's what gives us strength for our journey as individuals. It's also what has given strength to movements that have changed the world, to issues of social justice. It's, it's what has given people like Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. It gives what all people need in the midst of moving for issues of justice, racism, poverty, issues of LGBTQ inclusion. It's what gives people who are working for change in a world that seems like it won't change the power to endure. Because God does not promise us instant solutions or easy answers to the problems we face. What God does promise us is an inner power to endure if we search it out and if we seek it out. A promise to survive and thrive as people of God. And this is really what needs to be the message of the church. In our gospel passage from the first chapter of Mark, when people are looking for healing, what we read is that they go to the house of Simon and Andrew. Now you have to remember that this is where church happened in the earliest Christian communities. These were literally house churches. And the church is always open to people who are tired and are weary, who are struggling. It's true, it's church is also about rejoicing, it's about celebrating as well, but we are all at times in our lives feeling broken. And that's okay. Even youth, as we heard, will faint and grow weary, and the young will fall exhausted. That's true for the not-so-young as well, in case you were wondering. <clears throat> but we don't have to be everlasting, because God is. We search for understanding, and that's hard to find at times, but God's understanding is unsearchable. That's what we hear. When we feel ourselves powerless, God's power is there. We have this empowering faith 
if we open ourselves up to it, if we allow ourselves time, the scriptures say, but those who wait for the Lord, those who wait for the Lord, mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Those who wait for the Lord. If you're like me, you hate waiting. I hate waiting. I like walking. I hate waiting. I hate waiting for in traffic. I hate waiting in lines. I hate waiting on hold on the phone. I hate waiting for the water to boil. I hate waiting for people who want to sit when I want to walk. I hate waiting, <clears throat> and maybe you do too. It's important to recognize when we hear those who wait for the Lord, that that word wait in the Hebrew, translated into wait, is also the word for hope. And actually some would say for faith as well. We are, used to, we are used to being people who do. We're used, we want to be people who are independent. We want instant action, instant results. But at times, especially when most challenging, we have to wait, have to hope, have to hold on to faith. Because if you don't know it yet, and I'd be surprised if you don't know it yet. If you don't know it yet, there will be times when you run out of gas. Spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. And the question is, at those moments in your life, where will you turn? When your battery is drained, when your power is out, where will our hope find its lasting power? Those who wait for the Lord mount up with wings like eagles. Have you ever seen eagles soar? They make it look so easy, those eagles. They're not flapping out of control, right? They catch an updraft, and their wings hardly even move. They just soar. We can do the same. When we trust in the power of God, alive with us in the Holy Spirit. We can't see that, right? We, it's not taking a lot of action on our part. It's unseen, but it's felt, and it too can be what lifts us up. When we exchange our plans for God's plans, when we exchange our visions for God's vision, God shall renew our strength. We shall mount up with wings like eagles. Doesn't that, that, sounds, that sounds really good to me. Especially in those weary-filled times of our life that we face. We can't rely on what we think just feels good or right. Someone once said, one half of our problems come from wanting our own way, and the other half come from getting it. Right? One half comes from wanting our way, the other half comes from getting our way. It's important to realize, and this might come as a shock, that it's not all about us. We need to wait. We need to hope in God each and every day. 
We need to give time to God. That's what that means, giving time to God in prayer, giving time to God in looking at that Bible like Megan is doing right now, which is a good thing. It's a great thing to say, what do these words mean to me? It's about being in meditation. It's about waiting, giving yourself space and time in the midst of the busyness of the world to be empowered. Because life is tough if we think it's all up to us. Our church, like the house church of Simon and Andrew, needs to be a place where people can find wholeness. And then, like Simon's mother-in-law, if you noticed that part of the passage, with God's healing power, she's led into this, into service immediately. That's the same thing that needs to happen in a church. Jesus came and took Simon's mother-in-law by hand. And this is the power of a supportive community. People need a supportive, loving, hand-holding community of faith. This is how healing happens in our world today. This is the empowering faith that our weary selves need. Because whether it's the burden of too much snow or whatever it else is burdening us, weighing us down. We need to make time for God. We need to make time for our loving and learning community in the ways that it's offered to us. And we need to feel surrounded by hope. We need to feel that empowering faith. We need to live it and to share it with others who feel powerless, with others who feel weary, with others who feel faint, who need to know that they're not in it alone, that they can be lifted up by a God who lifts us up during our weary and tiresome times. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the blessings of our life. Thank you for being with us through it all. 